0: So the title of my message this morning is A Desperate Hunger for Jesus. Can we say A Desperate Hunger for Jesus? Okay, come on, say it with a little bit more pep, people. A Desperate Hunger for Jesus. Good, good, that's good. So we're going to read from Psalm 42, verse 1. I want to talk a little bit about fasting this morning, but we're just going to talk about behind all of that is having a desperate hunger for Jesus. Psalm 42 verse 1 says this. As the deer pants for streams of water, so pants my soul after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Let's read that again. Psalm forty-two, verse 1. As a deer pants for streams of living water, so pants my soul after you, O God. In the Zambian October, in the heat, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Here what's happening is the psalmist is emphasizing on the desperation of seeking after God. The psalmist is emphasizing about having a desperation of seeking after God. Just like a deer is desperate for water, so is the psalmist's thirst for God's presence. And it's not, re- it's not merely this desperation for God's house or, or the benefits of being in God's house. Sometimes I think we can fall in love with the benefits of God's house or, or just coming to church. Like Janie was saying, we, we love God, but we're not necessarily in love with spending time with Him. We like the idea of God and getting benefits of having a relationship with the Lord. Oh, I just want to be blessed or I just want to prosper. God, prosper me. And we love the idea of being blessed by God. But we're not actually in love with God himself. We don't care for his presence. We're not uh, motivated or or desperate for time in his presence. And, And really, as Christians, we need to watch out. You know, I think as pastors and worship leaders, we, we need to watch out. For, to, I think many times pastors fall in love with the telling of Jesus and have fallen out of love with Jesus himself. I think pastors need to be careful of this. You know, we we like the idea of telling people about Jesus, but we're not actually letting Jesus transform our own lives. As Christians, time in his presence... Time with God. And what is time with God? It's, it's praying. We talked about last week, praying, reading the Bible, spending time in worship. You know, just having a momentary pause and just allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us. It's, it's intentional time without distraction. It's time with God in His presence. And that is something that we should be desperate for. It's, it's something that we should crave after. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be casual with it. Church, can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? Don't be casual with God's presence. Don't treat it as optional. Don't be a bit, I would say, blasé with it. Oh, yeah, if I can get to it, I will. Or if I've got time this week, I'll spend time with God. No, we need to make it a priority. We need to develop a desperate hunger after God and His presence. I don't know, have you ever been desperate for something? Has anyone ever been desperate for something? I'm sure you have. Maybe some of you, you know, 11.30 right now, you're desperate for lunch. Anyone in the room, as carnal as that? I know Mino Mino in the first service, he's always desperate for food. Even if you just give him food, he's still desperate for more food. I don't know what it is. Him, Gibson, they're all the same, right? Some of us might be desperate for a job. You're like, oh, I just need a job. I just, I'm just so desperate for a job. Maybe some of the students, the prayer request is you're desperate for good grades to keep your parents happy. I'm not sure. We'll just pass by this one. Maybe you're desperate for a boyfriend or girlfriend. We'll just keep that one quiet. I don't know. Just look straight ahead. Or maybe you're desperate for help in a situation. I don't know. Maybe you've Maybe there was a moment where you were just so desperate, maybe you had a flat tire or you ran out of fuel. I'm not sure. Maybe you've just been in that moment where you were just so desperate for help in in a moment. I remember that happened to me when I was 13 years old. I remember my family, we went on this uh, family holiday with, with my cousins and it was like all of the family getting together, all of us, 17 of us in this uh, one house. And we traveled about three hours down on the coast where we grew up in Perth. We're right on the, on the coast, right on the ocean. Pastor Lisa grew up two streets from the beach. That's where her parents' house is. She grew up there. We, we, we are born in the ocean, really. Basically, you have to learn how to swim from an early age. And, and the thing with the ocean, it's undeniably powerful. It's it's and it's unassumingly powerful as well. You don't realize how strong it is. Who's swum in the beach before? Who's swum in the ocean before? Who's never swum in the ocean before? Who has no desire to swim in the ocean? That's what I thought. Okay, that's that's what I that's what I was thinking. That's about right, right? So when we went on this family holiday to this. Uh, it's like a surf destination, right? And uh, big, massive waves where you go and. It's, it's this place, I'm going to say a word, you're going to think I'm speaking another language. It's this town, in Dun, it's called Dunsborough, and the, and the surf beach was called Yelling Up. I know, I'm not speaking another language, okay? These are English words. So uh, I, we went to this place, and uh, this ha- place has massive, massive, gigantic waves. And it's brilliant for people surfing, but for those of us who don't surf, I don't surf, But I liked swimming in the beach and I wanted to be with the waves. And they've got a little section where there's uh, uh, waves that come in for people who just want to swim. The problem is, if you ever go to the ocean, be careful because how the waves look from from the sand, they're three times bigger when you get in the water. Waves are always three times as big from what you see on land. So you might go, oh, this looks nice, and this is what I did as a 13-year-old. I could swim in that. So I jumped in the water, and then these walls of water. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting PTSD looking at this blue wall right here. It was like this coming over me. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll just go under it. And all of the pressure is underneath, and it sucks you up, and bam, it slams you down. And I tried to get up again, and I was in a washing machine. It was like I was in a washing machine. I couldn't stand, and it holds you down, and you can't get out. And I tried to stand up, and, an, and as soon as I got up, another one sucks me up and slams me down again. And I was so desperate for help, I started crying for my parents. Mom! Dad! I know men cry. I was a boy at the time, and boys cry as well. I was desperate. I was desperate for help and my uncle came in and rescued me and pulled me out. And I, I saw this video on Instagram recently and uh, it, it started to get me, it, it gave me flashbacks to what it was like for me. I don't know if you've heard, it's like a woman being uh, sucked up in the water and they're like, ah, Jessica. You can see it. I think we've got it. So guys, let's have a look at that video. This was me, picture Pastor Liam like this. 25 years ago. So it looks pretty calm, right? Oh, no. Oh, no. Jessica, run! Oh, no. Oh! Yeah, she's down, okay. Watch it. It it gets worse, people. This was me 20 years ago. Some of you are like, I'm never swimming in the water ever. So here come the lifeguards. Now, one lifeguard does the heroic thing, one doesn't. Let's see which one's which. Be heroic, lifeguard. Come on. Oh! Look how many it takes to save her. This is the, the power of the water. And finally she comes to safety. All right, we can turn it off. They saved her. She's okay. (laughs) Jessica! People have done voiceovers to her. It's like a bit of a meme now. I think the wording at the top says, we had already warned her in Spanish. I don't know if anyone speaks Spanish in the room. But, senora, they had already warned her. Avoid, you know, they were trying to get her to avoid that. But that woman was desperate, right? She was desperate, reaching out for help. And it painted a picture for me of kind of that's the desperation I'm talking about is, is like that woman. We need to be desperate for God's presence. And many times, picture the lifeguards say we're Jesus, right? And this is not biblical. Don't go home and say, oh, this is biblical, right? No, it's just how I feel like the Lord was speaking to me through this. The lifeguards represent Jesus or they represent God. And many times we want to play by the water by ourselves. When we know it's clearly dangerous. What does that look like for us? Living our life with a casualness about God's presence. We don't want to be close to Him. We want to do our own thing and live our own way. Yet when the waves of life start crashing over us and the pressures of life start overtaking us, then we start to go, God, I'm desperate for you. God, I need help. When really, they should have some flags up there to say, don't swim here. We had already warned you not to do this. But I think about that, that desperation for God. We should have that desperation for God regardless. Right? We shouldn't be close to the water like that. We should have a desperation for God and be reaching out to Him. And and I think that's that desperate hunger which this woman was representing for me, is we should be reaching and desperate for time in God's presence. You know, they had already warned her. They had said, hey, don't, it's, it's like we get these warnings in church every week. Spend time in His presence. Be desperate after God. And we go away and say, oh, I think I can figure out life by myself. I think I've got this life down. I think I'm good with just, you know, I'm okay. I don't know if I really want to go fully commit to God. I'm good with where I'm at right now. And the waves of life start crashing over. The waves start sucking you up and slamming you down. And you say, oh, what do I do? Let's not get to that point like the woman, right? As this week, we come up with prayer and fasting. I want to encourage you, just as the woman was desperate, just as the deer was desperate for stream of living water, my prayer is that you and I would be desperate for more of God as we seek Him together with our prayer and fasting week coming up in a few weeks. Let's have that desperation for God. You know, I, I know when we fast together and it can be physically draining. And, and when we go to that week of prayer and fasting, if you're choosing to fast, it could be physically draining. But I pray that it would be spiritually rewarding for you. So even in uh, uh, the, the being drained physically, you would be filled up spiritually. Amen. Something supernatural happens when we fast. And I pray that... As you believe God and and, and press into Him and and spend time in His presence, that breakthrough would come, that you would start believing to draw closer to Him, that you would get more into His will for your life. Don't just fast for fasting's sake, but fast so that you would get aligned with God's will for your life. And I pray for many of you that you would get an answer to prayer or an answer to a situation that maybe is, is holding you back or maybe there's a heavy burden that needs to be lifted. I pray that as we seek after God and, 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 and we have a desperate hunger for Jesus, that he would start to break things off your life. Amen? Amen? Does anyone want that? Or are you just okay being casual? No, let's be desperate have a desperate hunger for God. You know, when it comes to fasting, I just want to talk about a few things to help us this morning. When it comes to fasting, you might be saying, well, well, uh, I, I can't fast food. I'm not able to do that, you know, for different reasons. Maybe it's something else that you're fasting pastor Justin referenced it. Let it be something meaningful that you fast, right? Uh, don't just, you know, make it something which you could do without. Basically... Fasting food, right, it, what, why we fast food is because what we're saying, food is sustenance and, and, and something that we need every day. Basically, we're saying, God, I need you more than I need food. And there's something in our lives when we're fasting, it should be something that's meaningful that we can't live without. And what we're saying is, Jesus, I need you more than I need this thing that I'm desperate for. So maybe if you're addicted to your phone and social media, maybe it's getting rid of that this, in a few weeks. Maybe it's just putting that, you know, disabling your accounts or something and you're fasting that. Uh, maybe it's fasting Netflix or, or something like that. I'm not sure. But let it be something that's, that's, uh, that's going to mean something to you where you're pressing in to Jesus. And for you, it might be fasting food, but it might be one or two days. Maybe you're new here or new to church or new to faith, and you're saying, Well, I, don't, I can't do a full week. I remember when I first started fasting, I would fast the whole day. I didn't know that you could break the fast at night and have dinner. So I was doing like full 24 hours, and, and I was doing that for three days straight. I was wasting away. My mom said, What's wrong with you, boy? Oh, mom, I'm hungry. I didn't know that you could break it at night, right? So I was just doing all 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. I was hallucinating. I think it wasn't good. (laughs) But for you, it might be one day that you do. For you, it might be all week. I don't know. But whatever it is, let it be meaningful. But when it comes to fasting, there's importance in what's going on in the inside of us when it comes to fasting. God's actually looking internally at us and not so much at the external. What do I mean by that? My first point is this: When it comes to fasting, we need to relinquish things that have a hold in our heart. Relinquish things that have our heart. Jeremiah twenty-nine, verse twelve to fourteen, says, "You will call on me and I and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. This is the caveat: when you seek me with all your heart. And this is what the Bible says." You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And when we, when we fast, God desires to have our whole heart. Even when we're not fasting, He desires to have our whole heart. That's the type of God He is. He's jealous for us. He wants to be in relationship with us. But fasting really has a deep connection to sin, when sin is in our lives, uh, it's, it's hard to reach out to God. But we see in the Bible that when people, especially the Israelites, when they were caught in sin, they would come back to God with fasting. They would come back to God through fasting. They would start to say, God, we need you more than the things that are holding us back right now. You know, it's this desperation for God. When we fast, it's having a desperation, a hunger after Him over the things that have previously held our heart. So when when if you're in sin, many of us, right, we're in sin or we've got sinful things in our lives. Don't let that stop you from pressing into God in this upcoming week of prayer and fasting in a few weeks. Say God, I even in my challenge, even in the things that are holding me back maybe, I'm going to press into you through fasting. Now I want to encourage you relinquishing things in our heart has to do with keeping short accounts with God. I encourage you, it's important to keep short accounts with God. What do I mean by that? Do not let things build up in your life without having confessed them to God. A living relationship with someone is not where you speak to them once and you don't speak to them for another two weeks. No, a healthy relationship, like what Janie said, with someone you're in love with, is you speak to them every day. I remember the early days of mine and Pastor Lisa's relationship. I was, we were always talking. I'd never spoken to someone so much on the phone in my life. I was getting used to it. Gosh, she she wants to talk again. We just spoke yesterday. What else do I have to talk about? And all the guys said, right? It's difficult for us. But in those early days, I was like, okay, well, I'll just let her talk, right? But you want to be in contact with them and and commune with them every day. You want to talk. And God is like that with us. He wants us to be in constant relationship with Him, keeping short accounts. You know, Acts 3 3 verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The enemy wants to get a foothold in your life where he can hold you back from flourishing in your time and walking in your purpose for God. But we need to come to God more frequently with less baggage. Don't let it build up. I talked in the first service about, I, I always thought about this when I think about having a messy room. Now, I don't know if you were like me, but before I got married to Pastor Lisa, my room was filthy. I, I would not clean it. I if For any ladies who are potentially going to get married to a man soon or if you're in a relationship, us guys, we like to have in our room, a section where it's not the cupboard, but it's not we're not using it. It's just a section where it needs to take time before it gets in the cupboard. Do the guys know what I'm talking about? It might be like a chair or or, or, a, or a counter or a dresser or something, or maybe a section, a certain section on the floor, where once you take off something, you're done wearing it, but you're not ready to put it away yet. It just sits in that area, and it can pile up. And then after a while, then it goes into the cupboard. And all, the guys know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know what we call it. It's just that section. For me, I used to have a chair in my room. It was just the edge of the chair. I'd just hang it over the edge. It wasn't on the chair, so I could still sit on the chair. It was just on the edge of it, where I knew I had to put it away, but not just yet. When I got married, that cha- that spot vanished. Pastor Lisa likes a nice, clean tidy room a made bed with nothing around so I've had to learn that in marriage now as soon as I wear something it goes off into the cupboard and I'm not perfect with it right but it's but and what I found is it's easier to clean a room each day than it is to wait for the end of the week and clean it at the end of the week I'd rather take five minutes each day and pick up the three or four items that I've uh, been dealing with that day and put them away and clean it quickly than let it build up and then, oh, when did I wear this? What did I do here? I'm not sure. At the end of the week. It's more difficult to do that at the end. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But it's like that with our relationship with God, I feel. God's looking for more, for us to keep short accounts with Him. He wants us to relinquish things in our heart on a daily basis. The Bible talks about uh, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Do I walk around eyes closed praying my whole day? No, because I'm going to fall off the edge, right? But it's in communion with God. God, I'm sorry for... Just in your heart, Lord, I'm sorry for that thought that I had about that person. God, I'm sorry for that way that I treated that person just then. Or the Lord conviction, like, Lord, help me change my attitude. Or you're going into a meeting, Lord, give me the grace to uh, speak with wisdom in this meeting. That's what praying without ceasing means. It means constant relationship with God, short accounts with God. He'd rather five, ten minutes each day where we're in communion with Him than waiting a a one-hour block or a 30-minute block on Sundays. He wants to be in constant communion with us. Don't let sin pile up. As we approach this week of prayer and fasting in a few weeks, don't let it pile up. Come to God quickly and often. He wants us to be real with Him every day of our lives. Amen? So what's something God is revealing to you that you need to relinquish when we come to this week of prayer and fasting? Second thing that we can do with fasting is we need to set aside intentional time for God. Let me say that again. Set aside intentional time for God. Not like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. Oh, maybe I'll just spend some time with God. No, let it be intentional. Prioritize it, diarize it, even if you have to. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. It's a big if, right? It's if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked wicked ways. What does that mean? Relinquish things, sin in our heart. If we do that, God will forgive our sins and heal our land. Maybe there's some sin in your life, which is some historical sin. As we approach this uh, week of prayer and fasting, like I've been saying in a few weeks, maybe it's time for you to say goodbye to some historical sin, which has always held you back. Maybe there's something in your life which you've never confessed to God or you've never been real with God and real with pastors and leaders. Maybe there's something in your life which you need to start doing some business with God as we approach this week of prayer and fasting. Maybe during that week, it's going to be a line in the sand moment for you. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, a line in the sand moment. It kind of comes from a sporting term. It's like if you got beaten badly like Arsenal did last night, I'm humble, right? can understand when we have our failures. But it's like a line in the sand moment. It's saying no, this is not going to happen again. Maybe there's some sin in your life where you're saying, "God, when we pray and fast together, I am going to uh, that's it. I'm done with that sin which is holding me back. I'm done with that relationship which is not good for me. I'm done with those friends who are taking me down the wrong path. I'm done with saying one thing and doing another." I'm done with that. This is a lion in the sand moment. Lord, I am done with saying I'm gonna pray and never pray. Lord, I'm I'm finished with saying I'm gonna read your Bible and I never actually get to it. I'm done with feeling guilty about trying to spend time with you, but never actually setting a time to spend with you, Lord. What's it gonna be for you this week where you're gonna say, God, that's it. Enough. I'm done. I had this and I still feel like I get this. Lord, I would get so fired up in church or at a a youth camp and stuff and I'd be like, God, I'm going to change the world for you. And I'd go back to my sin that was there last week. I'd go back to that thing that was holding me back before. We need to say to God, God, this is a line in the sand moment. I'm never going to be the same again. Come on. What can you be repenting of or what should you be confessing to God during our week of prayer and fasting? Like I said, do some business with him. Bring your confession to him. And I would say pair it with a confession to a leader or a pastor or a friend in your life who's trustworthy. James 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, real change comes when we spend time in his presence, where we truly repent to God. You know, God is watching us and waiting for us to say enough is enough. I can't do it by myself. I want to get intentional with my time with you, Lord. That's where God does some business. I think the cinemas are trying to kick us out. Can anyone hear that? Okay. Okay. I thought I was hearing voices. I thought the Lord was trying to speak to me. No, all of us. So I read this in James 4 verse 7. It's, it's, it's in the message. I think it just brings it out really powerfully. It says this in James 4 verse 7 to 10 in the message. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Come on, line in the sand moment. Say a quiet yes to God. And he'll be there in no time. I think some people need to hear this this morning. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get desperate, right? Get a desperate hunger. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Can I get an amen? And the last thing when it comes to fasting is this. We need to watch our motives. The worship team can come down and help me as I close. We need to watch our motives. Like I said, fasting has to do with our heart. We we need to ask God to know our motives and to have uh, a heart for others and not just for ourselves. When the Pharisees would fast... They would do it for themselves. They would do it so people would say, oh, wow, look at that spiritual person fasting. Right? Matthew 6 in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching on fasting. He says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. They do this by you know, putting stuff on their head and, 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 and ash, the, the, the ash cloth and they would change their clothes and they would look disheveled to say, oh, this person is really spiritual, they're fasting. You know, we do this now. We want people to know that we're fasting by doing certain things. We want to drink all the water in the world. Like, oh, I'm just so thirsty, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm fasting. No, don't let people know. And yes, we're all doing it together so we all know we're doing it. So we don't have to say anything, right? All of us know with each other that we're fasting. But it says this, uh, When you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father. Basically saying, do it in secret and God will will reward you. What has it got to do? It's about having a pure heart motive. Psalm 139, I love this. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Does that sound like an optional thing? Does that sound like it's casual with God? No, that's someone who's doing some serious business with God. The psalmist here, like the one who's thirsting after God's spirit, he's saying, God, help me, T- test me, test my heart. Take away anything in me that is offending You and lead me on the path. How many of us are praying that prayer? How many of us are acting like that? Say, God, take out those things that offend you. Or are we just okay with them being there? We need to say, God, change me. Help me. Lord, take out this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Give me a soft heart, God. You know, when you get right with Him, He will give you a desire for others. You know, I want to encourage you, but as we pray and fast in a few weeks, what type of prayers will you be praying? Will they be self-centered prayers? And will your fast be self-centered? Oh, I, I just want, I want that blessing, God. I want that, I want that car. I want that thing. Or are we saying, God, help me to walk in your will for my life so that I can be a blessing to others. Come on, let's ask ourselves that. Are you praying prayers and fasting for the benefit of others and the benefit of the kingdom? Are you believing for supernatural and the miracles? Or are you just praying for yourself? Are you just fasting for yourself? Let's not manipulate God, church. Let's not come with, hey, I'm gonna do something to get, I'm gonna do this so I can get something out of it. No, let's say God help me to align closer to your will so that I can do your purpose and will for my life which is to see others come to know Jesus, right? Right? Come on, let's come with a de- let's develop a desperate hunger for his presence where we say, "Lord, I just want you. Nothing else." Amen.